Part 8 Chapter 23 Monday, March 4th I arrive at Vera's office at exactly noon. She invites me to sit, and I pause. Will it be just us and Jerome Taylor today, or are you expecting others? I say this casually, but I hold her gaze and watch her reaction. She eyes me curiously. Just the three of us? Why do you ask? I'm just wondering where to sit. Ah, sit anywhere. We will move to the conference room when Jerome arrives. I nod and choose the chair on the left, masking my pleasure that she did not include Stephanie. The air is uncomfortably cold again. I unbutton my coat, but leave it on. So thank you for coming today, Raymond. I wanted to coordinate with you before we interview Mr. Taylor. Certainly. Our interest today is to get more insight into Hellno's finances. We also want to confirm the possible relationship to Joshua Taylor from City Hall. Oh, we have more information on that, actually. Really? What did you find? Didn't Evelyn call you? I pause, but she doesn't respond. I make a mental note and continue. Evelyn and Sharon called City Hall already to confirm Joshua Taylor's role. He was an undergraduate intern. Her eyes flash with glee. An intern? Well, that's wonderful. We'll have fun asking Mr. Taylor about that powerful connection. We laugh together, but I wonder if she knew this already. She continues. I'll lead the questioning today, working from the documentation that you sent over. Your work papers are excellent, by the way. Thank you. I say this stoically, but I feel myself flush. Vera smiles, and I shrug off my coat. I ask that you take detailed notes, and we will debrief after. I may also ask you for clarification of points, depending on where the conversation goes. But our scope is limited to the finances. Please do not bring up the murder investigation. Of course. I feel a small thrill at the words, murder investigation. One more thing. I hesitate, but decide to persist. Does your office have the ability to look up license plates? We do. She eyes me curiously. Why do you ask? I take out my phone and show her the license plate of the BMW. Is it possible to run this plate? I saw it a few times while I was watching Hell No. She considers me for a moment with what I fear is mockery. Then she writes down the license plate number on a post-it note. I'll see what I can do, Raymond Lee. Thank you. I clear my throat and shift in my seat. Vera looks at her watch. Well, it's 12.33. Jerome Taylor is late. She picks up her desk phone and dials. Yes. Can you please call me when Mr. Taylor arrives? We're expecting him. She hangs up and gazes thoughtfully at her plants. Then she opens her laptop, pulls out a thumb drive, and loads the files for our meeting. I scroll through my work email on my phone and try to look purposeful. Her desk phone finally rings at 12.37. Excellent. Thank you. Please send him to interview room A. I feel a surge of adrenaline at interview room A. I start to get up, but Vera holds up her hand and smiles. He kept us waiting. Let's let him wait a bit.
She takes out her cell phone and begins a round of plants versus zombies. I watch her silently, both amazed and impressed. She continues to play for exactly seven minutes. Then at 12.44, she pauses the game and collects her laptop, and we walk together to the interview room. Interview room A is a real interview room, like Law and Order. Not like my office's conference room C. It has a small table in the middle, four plastic chairs, and what is likely a two-way mirror on one wall. Jerome Taylor is seated when we arrive, scrolling through his phone, with his expensive-looking coat folded over the chair next to him. Vera knocks on the open door, and he stands up, grins, and shakes her hand across the table. Vera, good to see you as always. Thank you, Jerome. Sorry to keep you waiting. There was an important matter that I had to attend to. Of course. I was late, too. My apologies. Parking. Vera smiles falsely. Yes, that's always a challenge down here. Oh, what kind of car do you drive? I say this casually, and his eyes shift to me. Silver BMW. She's my baby. I nod and make a mental note. Vera glances at me, amused, and turns back to Jerome. Jerome, this is Raymond Lee, auditor in charge at the Department of Youth and Community Development. Pleased to meet you, Raymond. He reaches across and shakes my hand with an unnecessarily firm grip. I match his grip and he raises his eyebrows slightly. Shall we begin, gentlemen? Jerome sits back down and Vera takes the chair directly across from him. I sit next to Vera and open my notebook to a blank page. Vera places her laptop on the table in front of her and smiles at Jerome. Thank you for coming in today, and my condolences again about Jocelyn. Jerome scoffs. Thanks. She was my ex-wife, may she rest in peace, but she didn't deserve that. No one does, I suppose. Vera nods. Indeed. And the way she died. Disgusting. The police told me that someone cut off her middle finger and took it. And then they asked me. He shakes his head and laughs. They asked me if I took her finger as some sort of souvenir or trophy. Can you imagine? As if I needed another reminder of her rude behavior lying around. Vera laughs wickedly. Yes, we're all familiar with Jocelyn's gestures, aren't we, Raymond? I raise my eyebrows, not sure if I should respond. Jerome turns to me amiably. So you knew Jocelyn, too? She was a real peach, wasn't she? Yes, well, I laugh uncertainly, and they laugh, too. Then Vera continues. So, Jerome, as you may know, Raymond was recently auditing Hellno's contract from two years ago, and Jocelyn was his point of contact. Ah, yes, of course. And we couldn't help but notice a few things about the organization. Such as? The board members, for one. They're all named Lawrence? Jerome laughs. <laughs> yes, all L. Lawrence family members. I tried to tell L. that at the time, but you know this, Vera. We've been through this. Vera nods. And remind me again, please, how Taylor & Associates was chosen to be Hellno's accountant? He rolls his eyes. That was Jocelyn. I didn't want any part of Elle's business, to be honest, but Jocelyn insisted. 
She insisted how? Jocelyn's sister Letitia is married to Henry Lawrence, Elle's brother. Letitia and Henry are both board members. He sighs. Letitia told Jocelyn that they needed an accountant that they could trust, and Jocelyn volunteered me. But she didn't ask me first. But you could have said no. He looks at Vera incredulously. You've both met Jocelyn, yes? Then he sighs again. Look, she was my wife. I took the assignment to make her happy, even though, yes, it was a conflict. And when your office raised the conflict issue, I stopped being the hell no accountant. As you know, Jocelyn and I were getting divorced by then anyway, so it was easier to walk away. Vera nods. And did you notice anything unusual while you were working for hell no? He snorts. It was all very frustrating. L didn't save receipts for anything, and he dismissed me when I tried to ask questions. But you still submitted billings to the city. Well, yes. They were definitely spending money. On what, I'm not sure. But I did the best I could to piece it together. Can you explain what you mean by piece it together? Most of their expenses were salaries, so I billed based on payroll journals. And when L used a debit card, I could usually tell from the vendor name what kind of expense it was, even without the receipt. I see. And did you submit this back up as well? Vera brings up two of the falsified receipts on her laptop screen and turns it to show Jerome. Jerome laughs with genuine amusement. Ah, of course not. Salmon is spelled wrong. So is restaurant. So you do not recognize these receipts? Definitely not. He turns to me. You're from DYCD? Check the original billings that I submitted to your office. Those were not part of the backup. I nod and make a note in my notebook. Vera continues. So do you know where these receipts could have come from? He turns to me again. They gave you these for the audit. Jocelyn did, yes. He shrugs. Jocelyn probably made them then. Or that hippie bitch from awe. Vera smiles. Uh-huh. Accounting with excrement. The hippy-dippy capacity builders? You know them, Vera. I do, actually. She turns the laptop back around. They are working with Elno now? Yes. After I left, Elmay Jocelyn as director of finance, even though it was still a conflict, and arguably worse since she wasn't even close to qualified. He pauses. Jocelyn didn't know how to do the billings correctly. So the city stopped paying, and hell no was running out of cash. L hired R to help Jocelyn. Ah, speaking of cash... She brings up one of my bank reconciliations on her screen. We noticed some rather unusual cash transactions as well. He sighs. Okay, what have you got? She turns the screen around to show him. There were large, unlabeled cash withdrawals every month. Like this one, for example. $50,000? He winces. Yes, I remember. As Hell knows, accountant, didn't that strike you as curious? Elle liked to pay people in cash. I see. And why was that? He said he didn't trust banks. Or government. Oh, but he still accepted a contract with the city. He smirks. In fairness, the city wasn't always the best business partner. He glances at me. It sometimes took months for the city to pay an invoice, which made cash flow a challenge. 
Vera raises her eyebrows in mock surprise. That must have been difficult. How did Hal know pay its bills? Hal put up his own money a few times. He issued a loan to the organization? You could say that. Vera turns the laptop back around and brings up the cash receipts tab of my work papers. She shows it to Jerome. So these nine cash deposits Jerome made on March 3rd at three different ATMs, adding to $12,000? She points to the screen. These represent L. Lawrence's loan to the organization? He smirks again. That's what he told me, yes. I found out after the fact. Interesting. She pauses. Why did he issue the loan in cash? And why so many deposits? As his accountant, didn't you find that peculiar? You'll have to ask him. He snorts. Look, Vera, I said I'd help, and I'm here voluntarily. But L was a difficult client, and I'm not their accountant anymore. Fair enough. I have one more question, though. Just one? We all laugh falsely. Then Vera brings up the email that Jerome wrote to Terry, copying Evelyn in City Hall. She turns her screen around and shows it to Jerome. Can you explain, please, what was going on with this email? He reads the full exchange. Okay, yes. I think it's pretty self-explanatory, actually. Terry Mueller was holding up our invoices with no communication. I was trying to get us paid. Yes, I see that. Can you read the last paragraph aloud, please? He eyes her quizzically, but complies. Your lack of responsiveness is perplexing and unacceptable. We demand payment immediately, along with all back interest. I am copying Evelyn Torres, who can hopefully bring resolution to this matter. I am also copying Joshua Taylor of City Hall. He looks back up. Vera holds his gaze and smiles. Who is... Joshua Taylor of City Hall. Now he laughs. Joshua's my nephew. <laughs> he had an internship there through Baruch College, and I thought he could help us get paid. At the very least, I thought the City Hall address would prompt Terry to move a little. And did he help you get paid? No. He rolls his eyes. He's my nephew, don't get me wrong. But the kid is useless. Vera looks at me and nods, signaling that our meeting is done. I nod back and close my notebook. She turns to Jerome. Well, thank you for coming in, Jerome. We'll be in touch again if we need to. He grins. Always a pleasure, Vera, and good to meet you, Raymond. I'll show myself out. I follow Vera back to her office. She gestures for me to sit, and I do, even though it's almost two. She glances at her watch. Do you need to get back? I do not. She smiles. Amused. All right, then. What were your impressions? I pause. How well do you know Jerome Taylor? She laughs. We go back a bit. Let's just say that Jerome is well known to our office. I see. I narrow my eyes at her. Then he should have come to you when he first noticed the strange activities at Hell No. He's a CPA. He should know better. Who's to say that he didn't? She holds my gaze, unflinching. I make a mental note and move on. Jerome said that he drives a silver BMW. The license plate I asked you to research is also from a silver BMW. Interesting. And where did you see this parked again? Outside the Hell No office. 
I decided to withhold for now that it was the Monday after Jocelyn's murder and that I saw the same car near Jerome's office. Her eyes still gleam. I'll let you know when I run it. She glances at her watch again. In the meantime, Jerome said that the billings he submitted to your office did not contain the falsified receipts. Can you please confirm that? Yes, I'll check the files when I get back. She nods. If that's true, then he's probably right that Jocelyn made them. I smile tightly. It wouldn't surprise me. During the audit, I asked for the original receipts as backup for the expenses. Instead of admitting she didn't have them, she might have made up her own. Vera considers this. And why would she go through the trouble of that? Do you think that she was afraid of Elle Lawrence? Mm, it's possible. I think back to our meeting with Elle and how it ended. Then I remember my other exchanges with Jocelyn. Or Jocelyn just thought herself clever, which she was not. Vera laughs and checks her watch a third time. Anyway, we'll know more tomorrow when we meet with Awe. Sarah's office is right around the corner on William Street. I'll meet you outside the building just before five. Certainly. Now she stands. Thank you. And may I please get a copy of your notes from today? Yes, I'll bring it tomorrow. I show myself to the elevator. It is two o'clock now, well past my lunch hour. I'll tell Evelyn I was in the field if she asks. I walk outside and check my work email on my phone. And as I look up, I see Sharon turning the corner. Chapter 24 It is 2.30 when I get back to my desk. I don't think Sharon saw me outside the DOI office, but I can't be certain, and I also don't know what, if anything, Vera will tell her. Though it stings to admit, Vera Wong is cleverer than me, and I wonder just how many of us are pawns in her game. I looked through my notes from the meeting. Jerome Taylor said that he did not recognize or submit the misspelled receipts. His response appeared genuine, but I would enjoy proving him wrong. I unlock my computer screen and pull up the email that Jerome wrote to Terry, copying Evelyn and his nephew. I reread the first paragraph. Terry, I am writing once again to follow up on the outstanding payments for Hell Knows invoices. It has been four months since my client was last paid, despite multiple requests. The city now owes my client a total of $793,533 for past services rendered. I have reattached copies of all invoices with supporting backup. I confirm with satisfaction that the billings are attached. I open each one, searching for signs of fraud. To my disappointment, I find none. Jerome used printouts of Hellno's accounting system as his backup at the time. He did not include the individual receipts. His support was scant, but not fraudulent. He told us the truth. But still, I do not trust Jerome. I close the email and pull up Jocelyn's Facebook page. The RIP posts are slowing now. The last one is from Saturday. Someone posted a grotesque image of a unicorn standing in front of a rainbow with R.I.P. Jocelyn written inside a white, fluffy cloud. Animated hearts rise up from the bottom of the image. 
I check the poster's name, hoping it's Jerome, but I see it's from a Sarah Albright. I give a surprised laugh and wonder if it's the same Sarah Albright from Awe that we are meeting with tomorrow. And just at that moment, Evelyn appears at my cubicle. Hello, Raymond. Busy, I see. She eyes the unicorn, and I reflexively minimize the page. Then I turn around to face her. Hello, Evelyn. We received more direction from City Hall regarding the audit. They would like us to meet with Jerome Taylor of Taylor & Associates to get his perspective on Hellno's finances. I see. My heart skips and I feel uncharacteristically lightheaded. She eyes me quizzically. That's it? I thought you'd be happy. Thrilled, in fact. I am. Thank you. My heart is pounding now and she narrows her eyes suspiciously. Is everything all right, Raymond? Yes. I pause. I can handle the scheduling. When would you like us to meet? As soon as possible. I'll make myself available. Please include you, me, and Sharon. Not Stephanie? No, not Stephanie. She looks at me directly, daring me to challenge her. I do not. She nods, satisfied, and walks back to her office. I take deep breaths and lower my pulse to a reasonable rate. Then I open my email and pull up Jerome Taylor's contact information. And I try to decide what to do next. Chapter 25 Tuesday, March 5th It is 4.55 on Tuesday, and I wait for Vera in the lobby of 110 William Street. It is too cold to stand outside. Also, I called in sick today, and I am wary of being spotted by my co-workers. The entranceway has large glass windows and glass revolving doors, so I see Vera approaching from half a block away. She is wearing her trench coat. When she reaches the building, I knock on the window so she knows I'm inside. Her face lights up, and I feel a small flutter. I watch her walk through the revolving door. Hello, Raymond. Were you waiting long? No, I just got here also. Excellent. Shall we? We check in with security and walk to the elevator. The elevator is on floor 29. While we're waiting, I unzip my briefcase and hand her a manila folder. These are my notes from yesterday. Thank you. She puts the folder inside her own briefcase. The elevator is on 26 now, but stops on every floor. It's almost 5. People are leaving for the day. I clear my throat. When we are done here, I actually need to talk to you about something. Oh? She cocks her head, intrigued. Yes. Evelyn asked me to schedule a meeting with your own tailor. Just him and our office. Vera's eyes gleam. Interesting. And what did you say? The elevator arrives and a rush of people emerge. We both stand back to avoid being trampled. Then we step inside the elevator and I wait for the doors to close. I said that I would, but I haven't reached out to him yet. I wanted to talk to you first. She gives a cryptic smile. Let's discuss after then. Over a drink, perhaps? My heart skips and I swallow. Yes, that's fine. She nods and the elevator reaches our floor. 
I allow her to exit first and take deep breaths to compose myself. The AWE office is located at the end of the hall. Accounting with empathy is stenciled in large letters on the glass door, along with a graphic logo of two hands holding a heart. Vera grins wickedly at the sign before pressing the intercom. Then we announce ourselves and are buzzed inside. The waiting room has large, framed, black-and-white photos of people posing in various scenes of urban decay. Vera eyes the photographs, amused, and is about to comment when a woman with long, honey-colored hair walks out to greet us. Hello, Vera. Sorry to keep you waiting. Vera turns to the woman. Sarah, thank you for meeting with us. This is my colleague, Raymond Lee. Raymond, yes. Jocelyn mentioned you. She winces slightly and I smile politely. Then she holds out her hand. I'm Sarah Albright. Nice to meet you, Sarah. Her handshake is weak and unimpressive. She wears a drab green boho dress and hipster librarian glasses. I remember Jerome Taylor's description of her and smile again. Vera gestures at the photos. Are these your clients? Yes, some of them. How wonderful, and how fortunate they are to have you. Sarah smiles modestly. Thank you, Vera. Shall we get started? She leads us to a conference room. The room has lavender walls, real hardwood floors, and a wooden conference table with unusual markings. A new rose gold MacBook rests on the end of the table. Vera eyes the MacBook and runs her fingers across the table surface. This table is exquisite. Is it reclaimed wood? Yes, it was a bowling alley. All of our furniture is made from recycled materials. It's so important for the environment. Vera's eyes flash. How extraordinary. Good for you, Sarah. Sarah smiles graciously and chooses a chair towards the middle of the table. Vera and I sit across from her and shrug off our coats. Vera starts her laptop and I wait for her to begin. So thank you again for meeting with us, Sarah, and my condolences about your client. Jocelyn's death must have been a real shock to you. Sarah looks down and places her hand on her chest. Yes, a real tragedy. She was taken too soon. I think of the rainbow unicorn post on Jocelyn's Facebook wall and cough lightly. Vera continues. As I think you know, Raymond was recently auditing Hellno's contract from two years ago, and Jocelyn was his point of contact. Sarah winces again. Yes, I remember. I think you also know that the audit surfaced some issues regarding Hellno's finances. We were hoping to get more insight from you. I see. Which issues in particular? To start, we found it interesting that Helno was paying you each month for accounting services when they also had a full-time director of finance. What was your role exactly? Jocelyn was their director, yes, but she did not have a background in finance or accounting. Vera feigned surprise. Oh, but her title was director of finance, yes? Yes. Sarah smiles tightly. Jocelyn found the role challenging, 
So they hired me on a consultant basis. To do what, exactly? Sarah considers. AWE's mission is to empower nonprofit organizations such as Hell No with the competencies and skills that they need to succeed. They asked me to provide Jocelyn with hands-on training and support. Ah, Ira smiles. And how did that go? Sarah sighs. Honestly, Hell No is a difficult client, including Jocelyn. Accounting concepts did not come naturally to them. In what way? Well, I tried to explain why they needed to provide receipts as backup for their transactions. For your audit, for example. She glances at me. And they found this very intrusive. How interesting. Intrusive how? They thought the city was only asking for that level of backup because L. Lawrence was formerly incarcerated. I see. And how did you respond? I said that while the tone of the request was at times unpleasant, these were standard questions for all audits. She glances at me again, and I smile politely. Excellent. Well, speaking of receipts... Vera pulls up the salmon receipt on her laptop and turns it around to show Sarah. Do you recognize this receipt in particular? Sarah looks at the screen and then turns to me. Yes. Jocelyn provided that to you in response to your audit request. It was against my advice. Vera feigns surprise again. Oh. Why was it against your advice? Because the document is clearly suspicious. She turns back to me. When you first sent the list of document requests, Jocelyn told me that she couldn't find any of the backup. I told her that she should tell you that and accept whatever finding ensued. I raise my eyebrows slightly and nod approvingly. Vera continues. And what was Jocelyn's response to that? Sarah purses her lips. She responded rudely. Rudely how? Sarah grimaces with the memory. It doesn't matter now. The point is, I advised her to be truthful with you that she couldn't find the receipts. But then she met with L. Lawrence. And soon after that meeting, Jocelyn told me that she had suddenly found all the missing documentation. Vera raises her eyebrows. How convenient. And where did Jocelyn find these receipts? She didn't say. Vera persists. Did L. Lawrence have them all along? Or did he instruct Jocelyn to Photoshop new ones? Sarah's tone hardens. I don't know. Jocelyn didn't say, and I wasn't at the meeting. I see. How would you generally describe Jocelyn's interactions with L. Lawrence? I usually met with Jocelyn alone. L. Lawrence was only there a few times. But how were the interactions that you witnessed? He didn't say much while I was there, but honestly... She hesitates, choosing her words carefully. I found him intimidating, and I think Jocelyn did too. Vera's eyes flash again, and I watch her, fascinated. She knows she is close. Did Jocelyn ever tell you that specifically? No, but I could tell Jocelyn was afraid. Sarah's voice falters, and she looks down at the floor. When she looks up again, her eyes are filled with tears. It's just so terrible what happened to her, and I can't help but wonder. 
Her voice breaks again and her lip starts to tremble. Did L. Lawrence harm Jocelyn? And am I somehow responsible? She sobs fully now and I shift uncomfortably in my chair. Vera reaches into her bag and hands Sarah a tissue. Sarah takes off her glasses and wipes her eyes. Then she blows her nose loudly. Vera looks at Sarah with what could be genuine concern. Sarah, are you all right? Is there anything we can do? No, thank you. Sorry, this is embarrassing. She blows her nose again. Please don't apologize. We understand, don't we, Raymond? Yes, of course. I mask my disapproval. Her outburst is unseemly. Sarah nods, still sobbing. Then she looks at Vera pleadingly. Can we please finish this another time? Yes, of course. Vera looks at me and closes her laptop. Then we both stand and show ourselves out. We say nothing until the elevator arrives. When we are inside the elevator, I turn to Vera. That was... unexpected. Actually... It was exactly what I expected. A cat-like grin creeps across her face. Now about that drink.